Okay, we're going to open God's Word together now, and we've been hanging out in the book of Deuteronomy over the last few weeks. We're not going to be there today. I'm going to use it as a springboard, and we're going to talk about Easter because today is Easter Sunday. Uh, But um, I just want to talk a little bit about that before we jump into Easter. So if you've been following along with the daily Bible reading, you'll be in Deuteronomy. Uh, If you haven't and you want to get stuck in, you can find it on our website. Just scroll down, click on Read the Bible, uh, and it will take you to a page where you can get year one of the Bible reading, which is where we are now. And it's got all of the passages for each day on there. So Deuteronomy, uh, it literally, is a Greek word, okay, a Greek word. Uh, and it means uh, second giving or repetition of the law or the words of God. Deuteronomy is a retelling of the story so far. It's the story of God's love for his people. The story of God's grace and mercy towards them, even when they fall short. It's the story of his redeeming power his might and his faithfulness to them as they wandered through the wilderness and it's a story that is retold to a people whose lives are about to change it's the story of how they were set free from Egypt but it's told to them again as they are about to inherit that freedom fully as they're about to walk into the promised land with God as their king a land of their own and not living under the oppression of another ruler like they were in Egypt it is nothing short of a resurrection story of sorts for this group of people. And Moses sees that it's important to retell it to them uh, as they're about to step into all that God has put before them. He says, hey, this is where you've been and this is what God has done for you. And this is what God is laying before you now. Now you have a choice. Choose to trust him choose to trust his law or his words those of you that remember the preach we did on the ten commandments will remember that that a more accurate translation of those words is literally the ten words and god's words are life giving when he speaks life is formed and if you choose to follow his words you choose life you choose blessing that he offers you choose that is what Moses is saying to them. We just want to retell some of our story today. The story of Jesus, the one who has risen, the story of the resurrection. And um, before we jump in t- to some of that stuff, I'm just going to pray and then I'm going to ask for Emmanuel just to read us part of that story from Luke chapter 24. Let's just pray. Jesus, I thank you uh, for who you are. I thank you for what you have done. We've been celebrating the the cross this morning and then the empty tomb, the resurrection. We want to hang out there today. We want to remember that story today. And I pray that by your spirit, Lord, you would stir all that that story is uh, within us. Lord, will you speak to us again today as we declare that you have risen. Amen. We are looking at Luke chapter 24. We read quickly from verse 1 to 8. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. 
While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember what, how he told you why he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered these his words. Praise the Lord. Amen. He is risen. So we celebrate the risen Christ. Praise the Lord. Amazing. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. He has risen. I want us to focus on those three words today. He has risen. And I want us just to look at each one and think, what do we mean when we declare he has risen? So let's start with he. Who was he that we speak of when we speak of the one who has risen? He was a son, a human being born to a mother called Mary, someone born into troubling times, into messy circumstances. Don't we feel that today? Aren't these troubling times and messy circumstances that we find ourselves in? Can't we connect with him in that? He was a brother, a teacher, a leader, someone that people trusted in. Don't we need someone that we can trust in right now? He was forgiving and loving. He had a heart for people. We, we see that when he forgives Peter. When he cries out on the cross, Father, forgive them talking about those who crucified him and when he healed countless numbers of hurting people and yet he was a man acquainted with sorrows he experienced suffering and hardship he knew what it was to be betrayed when it suited them people called him lord savior son of god messiah son of david meaning they called him king when it suited them he called himself son of man that's the title that he most often used to refer to himself we often think this is about him being a human being a human one quite literally in the original language whereas son of god we think of meaning that he was also God. He was the one of God and he was the one of man, a human one and a one of God. But this title, Son of Man, is literally taken from a vision that Daniel has in Daniel chapter 7 in the Old Testament. The Son of Man was a human figure, but more than that, more than that, he was a human figure who would be raised up to heaven to, to reign as king on the throne with God. You see, Jesus was a man, but he was so much more than that as well. This title that he called himself, it also shows us that he was someone who understood the past, but could also speak into the future. He understood the vision of Daniel, but was also speaking it for the here and now in his time and what would come in our time. How much do we need someone who understands our past, but can speak into our future? 
who understands our sufferings and struggles, but can speak hope for us. With Peter, Jesus was able to rebuke him when he was caught up in something wrong, but also able to speak hope over him. He said, you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church. Peter, feed my lambs. This title that Jesus used for himself, son of man, means that Jesus was king. That's how he thought of himself. That's what the vision of Daniel says about the Son of Man. And that's why Jesus was claiming it for himself. When he used that title about himself, Son of Man, it didn't just mean he was a human being. It meant so much more. He was the king who was going to reign over all the earth. And then yet we find this king bound and chained, whipped and put in front of Pontius Pilate. And he says to him about this. And Jesus replies and says that his kingdom is not of this world. And so Pilate replies and says, so you are a king. John's gospel tells us that Jesus was the word that was in the beginning through which all things were made. The word who was with God and was indeed God. When confronted by men who said to him, hey, you're not even 50 years old. How have you seen Abraham? Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am I am being the name of God himself, Yahweh. Jesus uh, wasn't just a human. He wasn't just a king. He was the God who created everything and who uh, was before all things and in whom all things hold together. And then we human beings, we crucified him. That's the he we talk about in the he has risen in just a few words. There's so much more we could say, but that he who was a human being and yet was a king, yet were being persecuted, uh, yet being spat upon, looked down upon, uh, yet, um, yet came over that and also is God. That's the he, the human being who is God, who is king. He has risen. He has risen. So let's think about has for a moment. Okay, because it doesn't mean maybe might have done, could have done. It has happened. It has happened. And death did not hold him. Like the Son of Man in Daniel's vision, he rose up to sit on a heavenly throne. Jesus has risen from the dead. This is not just some nice idea or some lovely story. No, it's the truth. It is the truth. It is said that there's more evidence for Jesus than for Caesar. And that's to do with the number of manuscripts that we have and the age of those manuscripts and how far in date they all are um, actually placed from the life of the person. So how far after the life were they written? How close to the life were they written? What's more accurate? And so that is said that there's more evidence for Jesus than for Caesar. Uh, we also know 
that there are other Jewish messianic movements. Jesus was a Jew and, and his movement was a messianic movement. They, they claimed that he was the Messiah. But either side of his life, there were also other people, other Jews that, that believed other people could have been the Messiah. Each of these uh, ultimately ended with their Messiah figures dying. But it never ended in resurrection. If they wanted to carry on that movement, they would simply look to that person's brother or cousin to keep it going. The Jesus movement is the only one that makes the claim that Jesus was raised up from the dead, that there was a resurrection and he physically was back around again. This movement was different to all the others. So this wasn't just to copy the other movements. There's something different about it. It stands out, which means there's probably some truth in it, because otherwise it would have looked like all the other movements. Let's think about the, the actual gospel accounts for a moment. The gospels continually write the phrase according to the scriptures about things that Jesus did, especially his death, that Jesus died in accordance with the scriptures. But they then get to the resurrection and that phrase is almost entirely missing. But why? Why? Because these are genuine first-hand accounts. And at the point that this happened, the writers, they didn't understand it in that way. They, it had happened, and so they wrote about it, but they didn't write according to the scriptures because they hadn't had time to figure that out yet uh, when they were writing about it. Um, it's not until we get to the writings of Paul and, and the early church where we discover uh, that they have then reread the Psalms and the prophets and they've seen how the scriptures point to the resurrection. We can trust that Jesus rose from the dead, not because the Gospels are in the Bible and it's the Bible, but because they are the historical first hand accounts of the resurrection. Another reason we can believe the Gospel accounts of the resurrection is the mention of women. They were the first to see the risen Jesus in the gospel accounts. And it may not sit well with us to talk like this today, but in the first century, women were not considered to be credible witnesses. You wouldn't take a woman as a witness to back you up in a court case. Uh, they would not have been believed. It would have weakened your argument, not strengthened it. So for the gospel writers to include women as the f uh, first witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus, something that important, it must have really happened that way. Uh, and, and must have been totally true. Otherwise, they would have been wanting to, uh, if they were wanting to create this fictional story, uh, they would have made it look true and they would have written men to be the first witnesses of Jesus. They wouldn't have put women in there. That would have been much more believable uh, at that time. This also tells us that these are the first hand accounts uh, and that they haven't been doctored at a later date. Or else they would have removed the women after having considered it and, and they would have put the men in. And these accounts would have read more like the male dominated account of 1 Corinthians 15. So we can trust the gospel accounts that they declare that Jesus had risen from the grave. Also, let's just think about Jesus' body for a second, right? In, in the accounts of when Jesus has risen. Just imagine that you were making up this story. And it wasn't true. And you wanted people to believe it. It would probably look something more like a Hollywood blockbuster or, or like a Marvel movie. Jesus would be shining like the sun and, and he would look totally different. Something like some kind of superhero. But that's not what the Gospels portray. Uh, 
Sure, they have him slightly changed. Uh, it, he appears and disappears and walks through locked doors, uh, but he looks human. He eats food and he still has the marks from the nails and the spear in his body. There was nothing in the Old Testament for them to look back to in order to lean on to develop that idea and make it up like that. Uh, and this is just not how we would have written about the risen Jesus if we were making it up. This has uh, to actually have happened. It has to be true. Some people would say, yeah, but the gospel stories, they conflict with each other. So what about that? Well, let's imagine for a moment that a whole load of us are, are standing at a crossroads and we witness uh, a, a vehicle in an, in an incident. There's an accident with, it, with a vehicle in it. And these witnesses, we all get pulled in to give our, our accounts, but each one of us is going to give a slightly different account because naturally each one remembers it differently. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. No, it means it did happen. If the story of Jesus' resurrection was a fabrication, then the accounts uh, would, would more likely have been perfectly aligned to all say the same thing. The different eyewitness accounts does not prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead. It actually makes it more likely that people really did see this and were so shocked uh, that when they recorded it, they all recorded slightly different versions of it. Not only that, we get to um, to 1 Corinthians 15, that we mentioned a minute ago, verses 3 to 8, and we read about all the people that met with the risen Jesus. Over 500 of them saw him. He has risen. It has happened and we can have confidence in it there's so much evidence that Jesus has risen from the grave finally then let's just talk about the word risen uh, well there are uh, a few things I want to draw out here he has risen from something to something he has risen from the dead let's just talk about that for a minute he has risen from the dead okay he has risen from the last great weapon that the enemy has against all life that god has created death itself is defeated there is a human who died and has now risen meaning there is hope for every human that death does not have to have power over us. Not only that, there is a God, the God who created all things and breathed life in all people who holds all things together. And he was crucified and died and now has risen from death back to life, meaning that the one who is able to give life, the one who is able to offer hope, the one who is able to hold all things together when we feel like they're falling apart is not held by the grave and life and hope and all that God is and stands for is still on offer to us. Secondly, then, uh, he didn't just rise from the dead. No, he rose to something. Ultimately, he rose to his heavenly throne, as Daniel saw in his vision of the Son of Man. But before that, he rose to earth, to human beings. He didn't just rise and bypass us. 
No, he rose to be with us, to show himself to us, to tell us there is more. He's not some disconnected floaty God. He rose with a human body, showing us that he is present in this life on this earth and he can be known by us all. But ultimately, he did rise from death to his heavenly throne to take his seat as king over everything. The Daniel vision of the Son of Man shows this figure rising up as victorious and being given all authority and power and all the peoples of the earth worship him. Let me just wrap up by saying this. He has risen. He has arisen to glory. He has arisen to his throne. He is king and he is bringing his kingdom, a kingdom that we are all invited to be part of, a life that we are all offered to live, a hope that we are all allowed to hold on to for this life and for the next, all because he has arisen amazing like just amazing what a god he is what a gospel that is such good news that we celebrate today to end i just want to jump back to deuteronomy where moses is retelling the story of how god had set the israelites free and calling them to put their trust in god and in his word or laws so that they may experience life and blessing to our church i want to say these words of moses this story I share with you today is to be on your hearts. Impress it on your children. Talk about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie it as symbols on your hand and bind it on your forehead, meaning live with it, governing all you do and all you think. Write it on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, meaning never let it out of your mind. It's incredible and it will give you life. And to anyone watching who doesn't know Jesus, I just want to say this to you. He has risen. He has risen and you can know him. You can meet with him. You can experience the hope that he offers, the life that he invites you into that will not perish. He is God and king and can take control of all the messiness in your life and bring order and beauty to it. He is God and king and yet he rose from the grave to earth as a human still bearing the wounds of his cross so he is not far above and removed as god so much so that he does not understand and cannot relate to the things that cause you hurt and pain. He is both God and a human being who is now seated on the throne. He is amazing and he has risen. He has risen. He has risen. 
What a God he is. What a God he is. We're going to celebrate that now. And Nathan uh, and, and, and the kids are going to lead us in worship as we sing happy day. Uh, and little tag on the end. He has risen. Let's celebrate. Let's declare. Let's believe it. Let's live it out. Uh, let's live under the wonder that it is that our God has overcome the grave and there is life and there is hope. And he has risen.